Welcome to Back to My Garden. Discover your passion for gardening. Here's Dave Ledoux. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world when you listen to this. I'm Dave Ledoux, and welcome to another episode of Back to My Garden. And today, I'm excited. We have a tremendous guest. We're going to the West Coast down to California. Bridgette Romstead is the owner of San Diego Seed Company, the only urban producer of organic heirloom seeds in all of California. Her seeds are hand-harvested, hand-packaged in San Diego, and sold online and through many local nurseries. Bridgette works with numerous charities and educational uh, programs to teach the importance and value of seed sharing. We have a lot to talk about. I want to welcome from San Diego. Uh, welcome to the show, Bridgette. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that you're here. Very cool. I've given you a brief introduction, and I want to hear your stories, and the listeners want to get to know you better. Uh, take a minute or two and relax and share with us a little bit about your background and how did you get into gardening? Well, I'm originally from Kansas, uh, where gardening and, and agriculture of all different forms is alive and vibrant every day. And when I moved to Southern California, I was actually unemployed for a, um, unfortunately, kind of long period of time. During that time, I was able to rekindle my passion and love for gardening. And through lots of hard work and meeting a lot of great people, we created San Diego Seed Company. And it was a way to kind of help me gain some subsistence um, during this period. Uh, this was around 2008 when a lot of people were having a hard time. Um, and it was also a way to get involved with the community and um, start seed sharing practices, teach people how to seed save. And before you know it, um, before I knew it, a tiny little closet of seeds that I had been saving turned into a seed company. So here we are today. Outstanding. Excellent place to start the show. Uh, folks, uh, if you're driving in your cars, just sit back and relax. Don't take notes. I'll take all the links and resources that get shared and put it up on the blog at Back to My Garden. Make sure you follow Bridgette on social media at San Diego Seed Co. And you must bookmark her uh, seed website and store at www.sandiegoseedcompany.com. Uh, can we start with the fact that you're an entrepreneur, and I have to salute and acknowledge that. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like starting your business? Uh, maybe talk about, were you nervous at all? Did people tell you you were crazy? How did it go in the in the dark days in the beginning? Um, you know, it, it was um, quite interesting at, at the very beginning. I was, um, I, I, I think that things in life sometimes fall in your lap and you have to embrace them. During this time when I was kind of, you know, tossing these ideas around, um, what had happened was I was flipping through this, this catalog of classes at the local community college, and I saw that they had what was called Seeds at City, which was an urban farming program, and they taught you um, about food production in an urban setting, um, all of those things. And I took the class, and one day sitting in the class, I was just chatting with some people, and I realized that San Diego and a good portion of Southern California does not have a local seed producer. And that was the light that went off in my head. I went, how is this possible? We we have so many 
uh, very different microclimates where we live, but yet nobody is producing seeds right here in these areas that people love to grow them in. Um, and so that kind of snowballed. Uh, it was a lot of work in the beginning, um, you know, getting things set up, uh, trying to figure out, okay, we have this wonderful idea, now where are we going to grow the seeds? Um, and so out of that kind of evolved this idea that we wanted to grow the seeds in an urban setting because that's where a lot of people are these days. People don't have the luxury of living in a rural area. And so I kind of wanted to stay, stay tried and true to that. And um, so we had a lot of difficulties with finding places to grow, finding clean areas. There's a lot of soil contamination in urban settings. Um, and, you know, then also people saying, people being maybe a little on the negative side. But overall, I have to say I am very thankful the community, all the communities in San Diego has openly embraced what we're doing. And for the most part, people understand why we're doing it and why it's very important. So lots of struggles, but again, um, lots of support as well. Outstanding. Uh, you mentioned climate and struggle. Uh, what was it like with the drought last year? How did you how did you manage? You know, the drought was terrible, and it was very scary for anybody who was trying to grow anything. But what it also was was confirmation that what we were doing was extremely and is extremely important to um, not just San Diego, but now much of the you know southern southwest areas of of the United States. Um, you know, a lot of people love to purchase their seeds off, off the internet, which is fantastic. There's been this huge boom in online seed catalogs, but what happens is people are buying seeds from companies maybe in Wisconsin or, you know, all over. There's big companies in Missouri and, um, but for us Southern Californians, we need to be purchasing seeds that have grown in these very, um, difficult conditions so that we can guarantee good harvest and healthy plants. Um, so it was really hard. I have to say it was, there was parts of the summer where I literally felt fried because it was so hot and so dry and so scary. Um, but it just confirmed that we need to continue doing what we're doing and we need to continue to do it on an even bigger level. You know, Bridget, a lot of listeners of the show have teenage kids and conversations like should they go into massive debt to go to university or trying to pick a career path can you talk about a little bit about what it's like to be a a woman entrepreneur and be a woman in horticulture you know i'm actually really glad that you asked that you asked that question because um it's an area that i feel very strongly about i am a first generation college student i graduated uh last may with a degree in Spanish. And it took me a very long time to get that degree um, because, A, being first generation, there I didn't have a lot of family support. Financially, it was very difficult. And I also worked the whole time. So it took much more than four years <laughs> to, to do it. Um, and at the end of the day, although I picked something very practical and, and I used my bilingual skills every day living in Southern California, I don't necessarily know if the, the information that I gained during college or my time at the university has actually led to my financial 
my ability to get ahead financially. I started this company on a shoestring budget, and we still are on a shoestring budget. Um, we've never gotten outside funding or anything like that. It is, it's one of those things where we get a little bit ahead, and then we take a step back. We get a little bit ahead, and we get a step back. Um, and it, it's been wonderful, but um, I think what has given me the most pride in, in this is that I'm doing something tangible with my own hands, and I think that, um, you know, my generations and the generations younger than me don't get that ability to kind of build something from scratch, build something tangible. And the happiness and the confidence that I've gained from that is not something I ever got at the university. Now, with that being said, obviously, higher education is extremely important. Um, but I think there's different routes. And I think people now have to be much more creative and look into trade schools, look into um, different educational options besides the traditional four-year college. I love it. Uh, let's talk a bit about your baby, the San Diego Seed Company. Uh, before we start talking about seeds, though, I know you're very involved in both education and supporting local programs. Um, can you talk about those from uh, your pet projects? Yeah, um, so we actually are, we were kind of born at an educational farm called Wild Willow Farm. They do amazing work um, to not only teach people how to garden and farm, but they also do classes ranging from cheese making to soap making to fermentation. Um, and so since we were born there, at the very beginning we had this idea that, you know, we are a for-profit company, but what we're doing is not just to make an income for myself. It is to teach people of the community what they can do for themselves to also help them gain, gain a little bit of subsistence. So we've worked with various programs. Um, you know, we've worked to help um, people who get uh, government assistance to be able to use that money at farmer's markets to buy seeds, to buy plants. Um, up until recently, and in a lot of parts of the United States, um, you know, food stamps or what we call here CalFresh are not, you, you weren't able to use those to go to a nursery to you know, buy a tomato plant. Um, and what we've done is to help change people's ideas and help them understand that growing a tomato plant, purchasing a tomato plant can actually give them more, not just in the way of how many tomatoes they get, but also the idea of that they are able to do something for themselves. Um, so we, we've worked with a couple programs to do that. We also donate a huge amount of seeds to community gardens, school gardens. Um, basically, anybody who wants to grow, we reach out to them and say, look, what can we do to help you get started, and how can we help you kind of excel at this? Um, and also, lastly, um, we work with a, a nonprofit called Charity World, and they do a huge amount of work um, in the community to give actual donations of, of, of things from food to clothing to different groups in the community. And um, so we just try to be involved as we can. Because at the end of the day, when I started gardening and when I started this company, I did it because I needed to get myself out of a slump. And it turned into something amazing and beautiful. And we want to pass that on to other people. We want to help them learn how to take charge of, of their future and do something for themselves that can help them either gain a little bit of income or just help their family eat healthy. 
either of those are, are two amazing things. Outstanding. Now, listeners, if you're near a computer, uh, come on line with me while you're listening to this and go to www.sandiegoseedcompany.com. You can follow along. Uh, I clicked on shop on your store, and uh, I was blown away by the varieties of what you carry. Uh, can you touch on some of your favorites, uh, the types of seeds that you carry? Yeah, I, I definitely can. Um, one of my amazing favorites is amaranth. And I think it's because, um, you know, since we grow seeds at what we call microfarms, so they're basically areas in the city where people have said, I will donate this area for you to grow seeds on. Um, and then we give some produce either to them or other groups. Um, so people in the community are getting to see these little seed farms. And when people see amaranth, especially that variety, we have a, a burgundy amaranth that can grow six to eight feet tall. And it has these amazing burgundy stalks. And um, it, it looks like the hair off of uh, Sideshow Bob from, um, from The Simpsons. And people are just blown away. They're like, what is that? Where did it come from? How can you eat it? And um, it's a grain. You can you can eat the leaves when when they're young. They're very delicious. You can also harvest the seeds, and you can pop them like popcorn. Um, there's it, there's a lot of things you can do. A lot of versatility, and it's also beautiful in a bouquet. The birds love it. And once you grow it once, you will always have it in your garden because the seeds are so tiny and they just go everywhere. So it's kind of this this. Um, you know, wildfire effect. You grow it once, and then, you know, you'll have them popping up everywhere, but there's worse problems to have. <laughs> You're making me smile. My father-in-law is a Greek immigrant, and he always has burgundy amaranth in his garden. Yes, yes. You know, it, before I had moved to uh, Southern California, I had never even heard of it. And um, it's funny because it is an ancient grain that, you know, probably most of our ancestors at one point were eating and we don't see it anymore, and so it's definitely coming back into the food world, and um, I'm excited to see what all it's going to do. I notice you have a category called edible flowers. What's the response been like to the edible flower idea? Um, you know, we our idea was that um, in the beginning when we were setting this up was that we wanted we wanted our seed company to be as utilitarian as possible. And that's because, you know, we're trying to get people to grow food to help that, their particular position, trying to help the overall food system of San Diego become healthier as people grow. And so we didn't want to have all of these, you know, very, very beautiful, but very kind of um, simple flowers that don't do much besides decorate an area. Um, a lot of people in San Diego and in, and in any urban community, they're growing in pots, and so they have very limited space. So we wanted to give them bang for the buck. So the idea was that people could grow these flowers because they're either beneficial or they're edible. And um, we've gotten a really good response from it. People, nasturtium is one of our, you know, popular ones, and it actually grows wild all over San Diego in, in the wet season. I live on a canyon, and it just fills up with nasturtium. And the seeds you can pickle, and it's much like, um, um, oh, I forget the name, but you can pickle them, and they're delicious. You can also eat the leaves. The flowers make a beautiful addition to any salad. 
And this is something that grows wild in many of our backyards. So um, it's very appropriate and very utilitarian. Making me smile again. I have uh, like a living green wall off my deck. I'm I'm looking out the window right now and I have four feet of snow on the deck. But if it was summertime, that's where my climbing nasturtiums would be. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and they come in in all kinds of different, um, you know, varieties and colors. And um, we kind of have a, a, a more basic variety, which is what you would see here in San Diego. Only we have a dwarf one, which is easier for people to grow in small spaces. But it sprawls for miles, it seems, in, in the canyons here in San Diego. You even have a cold climate section, which makes me grin, because in California, your idea of cold is different than mine. Yes, it's, a, it's quite funny. Here here in, in Southern California, we have two seasons. We have a warm season and we have a cool season. And the cool season is in a blink of an eye. And some some years, you don't know if you even really had a cool season. Um, so we are not as uh, fortunate to be able to grow a lot of, of things that, that love the cold, you know, like kale and, and uh, many leachy greens, when they're touched, when they're kissed by a little bit of frost, they be, actually become sweeter, and they're much more palatable. Um, but we don't get frost, and we barely get cold. Um, but there is a short period where people can grow greens, and um, our, our, what makes up for that is that our warm season is very long, and I'm still harvesting tomatoes right now. So that gives you an idea of what our weather system can be like. Um, what I suggest for, for growers here in Southern California is that they invest in a little bit of shade cloth, and that will allow them to grow a lot of crops year-round as it starts to warm up and get, and the sun starts to get a little bit stronger. In the warmer months, they can still grow lettuces and beets and chards and things of that nature. Outstanding. Uh, I've had to use the uh, the cloth in, the, in May and June to prevent uh, sun scald on the baby tomatoes. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just something good to have. And um, um, I, I, like I said, um, started my company on a shoestring budget, and we're still on a shoestring budget. And so one thing that I suggest to viewers, if, if you don't have the money or if you would like to try to, um, you know, save that money for something else, you, many times you can find um, what's called canopy cloth, um, which is, it is also shade cloth or, um, you know, there's different versions of it, but you can find it free on Craigslist and, you know, things like that. So it doesn't have to be a pricey investment, but it will definitely help your harvest. Nice. Are people talking much about native planting? We uh, we have a few natives. Natives are, are difficult when it comes to seeds, um, and they're also very difficult to see, seed save. Um, so we have a few natives um, in our catalog uh, it's something I really want to expand on. I am a very passionate native gardener. I've done a lot of landscapes here in San Diego that have native um, plants. And, you know, like I was talking about earlier with the drought and with our, with our you know, weather patterns changing because of climate change and everything else, um, I think we're going to see a lot more with native gardens, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, San Diego actually had some rebates that you could take advantage of where they would um, give you a rebate. I think it was, I forget the amount per square feet, but they would, it was an incentive to help you pull out your, your lawn. So this, this last summer and um, um, fall, I spent a lot of time ripping out lawns in San Diego, and I'm very happy to say I think I ripped out six total lawns. <laughs> 
makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. The idea is that, you know, it, either you are growing something that works with, with our particular water conditions, um, and, and native gardens do not have to be, you know, just a couple of, of scraggly-looking manzanitas. You can get amazing blooms from all kinds of different native flowers. Um, and if you don't want to do a native garden, then put a edible garden in. Just do something that makes sense. I love it. You know, I just glanced at the clock and our time is flying by. And now's the time in the show where we play a game called Five Quick Questions. Okay, go for it. Yeah, this is your chance to share your wisdom and experience with novice rookie gardeners. Question one. Oh, and by the way, I've changed these. So uh, they're new for 2015. Stay nimble. Okay. <laughs> what What is the funniest or most unusual mistake that you've made in the garden that you're willing to admit to in public? Oh, um, that's a hard one because I've made so many. <laughs> Haven't we all? Like, which one is, is the most ridiculous? Um, I think um, I think at one point, at the very beginning of, of my gardening, a friend had suggested to me that you can use molasses to, like, fertilize plants. So I had I had some molasses in the cupboard, and I'd never cooked with it, and I thought, well, I'll give it a try. I'll throw it in the garden and see what happens. So I put some molasses in my lettuce bed, and the only thing that did was attract a wild amount of animals and ants and weird stuff, and um, it was pretty comical to, to see a bunch of, of uh, squirrels eating the molasses and ants everywhere. I made a big mess of it. Oh, no. That's excellent. That's exactly what I was looking for. Great. So would you advise the listeners to not use molasses? Yeah, I would advise them to stay to using their homemade compost, organic fertilizers. Um, chances are, if it sounds really, really wacky, it is really, really wacky. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. A question two. If you were only allowed to grow one plant next year, what plant would you personally just have to grow? Oh, um, we have a plant here in Southern California called chayote. I'm not quite sure what it is in English, but that's what actually it's called when you go to the grocery store. Um, but it's kind of a cross between, I would say, like a potato and a squash. It grows on a vine. And I have a sincere belief that if every person in San Diego grew chayote, there would never be anybody hungry in San Diego because it just gives and gives and gives and gives. And you can cook it, you can steam it, you can put it in a soup, you can uh, fry it up. Um, they're very cool, very cool plant. Chayote. All right. Yes. I'll have a link up on that. Uh, do you have the seeds in your store? You know, we don't because it's um, it's something that you don't typically start from seed. You actually start from, like a potato, you would start it from a a chayote start. Okay. Um, and if you purchase them from the store, you can get those to eventually sprout, you know, like a tomato would if you left it in the cupboard too long. I love those stories where, you know, you stick a, you know, a garlic in the ground and all of a sudden it grows, like from the store. Yes. It's... Exactly. I guess this is kind of the whole conversation of what you do and I do with these shows is just to get people to stick some dirt in a pot and try yeah, because uh, you never know. You never know what it could turn into. I did it, and it turned into a seed company. So nice. you can do it, and who knows? It it may turn into you growing 
specialty greens at your local farmer's market, or maybe it turns into you getting backyard chickens and being the neighborhood, you know, chicken lady. You never know what it's going to turn into, but chances are it's never going to be something negative. Uh, question three is internet related. I want all the listeners, I encourage them, uh, follow Bridgette on Twitter at San Diego Seed Co. And then bookmark and help promote her store at www.sandiegoseedcompany.com. Do you have one or two favorite gardening websites to share? Do you ever use online? Um, you know, there's so many resources out there online, but what I would advise viewers to do is be a little wary only because online anybody can post anything, and I have gotten some, some bad advice before. Um, my favorite gardening book is called Gardening When It Counts. It's by Steve Solomon, and he was actually the founder of, of Territorial Seed Company. And um, it's an amazing book. It, it reads like a novel, um, but he gives very tangible, real advice about what you can do to grow um, your own food for, you know, not just for ho hobby gardening, but also to really stock your pantry. Um, but he gives advice on how to do it for the cheap, which I think is the biggest obstacle that gardeners say. I always get this all the time at parties or wherever. People say, I don't have the money to start a garden, <laughs> which is so funny because where I came from, those that didn't have a lot of money were the ones that were gardening because that was a way to, to make ends meet. And out here, it's not the same story. So um, I really want to turn that around, and that book has some great information in it. For those of you listening who have friends resistant to gardening because of the budget, I have a blog post uh, back to my garden called 99 Clever Gardening Shortcuts. Seven of the 99 are things you can grow in your garden just by going to the grocery store and saving your scraps and tops. Uh, share that with them. So I'm going to put the link up to Steve Solomon's book. Uh, the final question, here we go. Look into your crystal ball. It's a two-part question. Number one, we have a brand new year ahead of us. Do you think there's anything going to be uh, hot or, or uh, popular this year that might surprise the listeners? And the other part is, is there anything you've never grown that you would love to grow? You know, I, I myself and many probably of the listeners who live in an urban area are kind of victim to this idea that we can't do more permanent things because a lot of us don't own, especially in Southern California. We have a very high portion of people here who rent because it's so expensive to own. And so my kind of fantasy would be to have some more permanent things that I've never had the luxury of, of having, like blueberry bushes, um, which I don't even know if it gets cold enough for blueberry bushes here. Um, but, you know, an asparagus patch. I've always dreamt of an asparagus patch, but... Um, haven't quite been able to do that. So those are those are on my wish list. Um, nice. and, and before I forget, I do want to mention that on our website, we have some fantastic links to all of my top books, um, the Steve Solomon book. Um, there's also um, a few other ones that I still use every day as reference books, and you can, you can find those on there. There's also some movies that I encourage people to check out that talk about um, gardening and why it's important in food systems and basically everything we've talked about today there's something on there that you can learn a little bit more from nice some of the documentaries out there like food matters or food inc 
You know, you mm-hmm. want, it just is so scary to understand how our food system actually works. It really... Yep. <laughs> Precisely. It's, it's, it's very scary. Um, I would encourage people to get involved with Slow Food um, is another good program that talks a lot about that. And and also just go on go online and Google food system and find out what that means. And I think people will be really surprised and 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 interested in where they fall in their particular food system. On an aside, we'll call this bonus question six. I've started to become enamored with really hot peppers. Do you have any kind of exotic peppers? Um, we we don't have as many peppers as I would like to have. Um, but we do have a Hungarian hot wax that is delicious. It is very hot. Um, and the nice thing about it is if you saute them with a little bit of olive oil and add just a dash of vinegar, you can actually kind of take the heat down a couple notches if that's what you're desiring to do. So they're very versatile and, um, you know, hot, great for the salsas. I mean, I live in Southern California. I know good salsa, and you could definitely use those peppers to make some fantastic salsa. Nice. (laughs) My wife and I, that's kind of in the northern climates. You make it through this crazy winter by going into these seed catalogs and just – it's a slippery slope. It's almost – I don't know if addiction is the right word, but there's no reason to ever be bored in a garden, is there? No, it's it's amazing. Um, I don't know if, if the viewers have heard of Seed Savers Exchange, but it's a program that allows you for a membership to exchange seeds with people from all over the world. The catalog is about as big as a dictionary, and they have thousands and thousands of varieties of seeds from all over. And it is a slippery slope, but I guarantee you there's worse things in life than to be addicted to finding rare seeds. Absolutely. Well, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you follow Bridgette at San Diego Seed Co. on Twitter. Is it the same handle on Instagram? Um, I believe so. Um, I, can, I can look that up. Yeah, um, but, uh, all your links, you up, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they're all on our website. And if you, if you just look us up, there's no other San Diego Seed Company. So it should be easy to find. Yeah, I mean, uh, how many years are you now? Four? Six? Um, you know, it's, it's funny, uh, five more on a bigger scale, but we've been doing it for much longer than that. Um, but we've been in retailers, um, and online for the last four to five years. Nice. Make sure you help get the message out, follow and share her, uh, links at www.sandiegoseedcompany. Uh, Bridgette, we're nearly out of time. You've been a brilliant guest. Well, thank you. This has been absolutely fantastic a great way to start my morning before i go out and work at the urban farms and um i just hope that you have me back again we will uh we have listeners in 62 countries and i want to invite you to have the last word today to them can you leave us with a note of encouragement or a pearl of wisdom you know i would say that for anybody both struggling or not Um, I think they will be really amazed at what they can do in a garden and what they can grow. And I guarantee that that feeling of creating something tangible, edible, beautiful, will never go away. And I encourage everybody to try and discover that. You're an inspiration. Thanks for being on the show. Yes, thank you so much.